International. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> no, I can't not okay, do it. Just do it for real, I guess. Hello. Welcome. Back again, Jazz Time Anime Part 3. <laughs> that I was gonna do because <laughs> it's illegal. Uh, there's rules against that. There's rules against that. I'm Ethan. That's Bezo. What's Don, up? Donna's here too. Hi. PC police. <laughs> Keeping us in check, making sure we, we pronounce all of our L's accordingly and we don't roll them with an R on accident. Yeah, don't do that. Triggered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on a quick tangent, y'all notice it said Lolex. That was interesting. At the watch what? store. It wasn't. Lolex? I thought it'd be oh. Rorex, but oh, it's okay. Lolex. That, that got that really took me. Anyway, oh my God. Oh my are God. you trying to also make an offensive <laughs> joke right now? I didn't make the joke. It's in the. It's in because the show. if you watch any other anime, because of copyright laws, they also say Pepsi. Pepsi's really? like a classic like anime joke. I had no idea. Pepsi. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you can't say Pepsi, so they say Pepsi. There's also a lot. That's of interesting. Pepsi. W WCDs instead of McDonald's. But they have Makudonado. McDonald. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they have Pepsi too. Yeah, that's why, and they can pronounce. So they should be able to get there. No, because it's a copyright issue. That's fascinating. I found that interesting. Like the whole idea, like there's a. A bureaucratic red tape, something or other, that's in place to translate something from Japanese to a, uh, to a, for American audiences and Pepsi, Pepsi. Maybe the Rolex, Lolex thing would be part of that. Although that was no, it is. That's what I'm saying. Like you Rolex wouldn't like you're not saying 
they're not saying like, oh, I'm drinking a Pepsi. I mean, yeah. sometimes they are, but it's the logo on the can that will oh, say Pepsi. Literally, or the so it's logo not just the subtitles. On the McDonald's will be okay. like WD instead of well, M. I'm to glad get I learned copyright. That. I like it. I like it. Jump not because they can't say M's. <laughs> so, God. I can't believe Triggered. it started off on this bad track. <laughs> it's not bad. It's interesting. <laughs> Curious. I don't think you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about them having different voices they than can't, us. They don't have L sounds, so they have to use R. They don't have L sounds? Mm-mm. Yeah, there's no L. There's no L. That's why it's Mac good. Yeah, they throw an RU in there for the L sound. Yeah, because it makes like a, like when you say like a R sound, it goes like, like, like a, like you're rolling it. Yeah. Like putting your tongue between your teeth and they don't have anything like that in their language. That's just troublesome. I mean, it's like kind of similar if you say it like well. Really fast and kind of quick. It's like if you, like how in Spanish you go like, like you like roll it, you know, but you're only doing the first part and then you cut it. Mick. Don So it would kids on the sropu. <laughs> kids on the sropu. Yeah, and they don't have well I guess no they don't have the either. Oh, how's it go? It's Sakamichi no Aparon. Aparon. Oh cool. Wow. That's the language lesson. <laughs> Pop Jesus quiz geez. at the end of the show. Or shall I say, that's the language lesson. Damn, you're as triggery as a guy in the bar. Both of you. I am that guy in the bar. Probably. <laughs> that, was in a, that was some inappropriate talk. Right, so if you listen to our last episode, you know <laughs> that we're talking. Over. <laughs> like, I'm going to jump out of this co-pilot seat and just take yeah. the pilot license and move on forward. <laughs> see how long I can... Uh, anyway, so if you recall from our uh, last episode, we're talking about uh, Kids on the Slope, a 12-episode show that came out in 2012. Uh, we're just talking the first six episodes and the next week we'll be talking the seven through 12. Um, but this show is of note. Uh, maybe not necessarily something that everyone watched. If you're like an anime fan or probably it's definitely not as like, uh, critically acclaimed, I guess it's not really a series that everyone would know about. Um, but this show is pretty, uh, noteworthy because it's actually directed by, Shinchiro Watanabe, who uh, did Cowboy Bebop, mm, and which makes that's, a lot of sense. The, actually, I had a, a, a thought like that in the very first episode. of uh, There was a sequence that reminded me of Cowboy Bebop, so that kind of rings true for me. Yeah, so uh, Watanabe is well known for Cowboy Bebop, but probably the thing that Cowboy Bebop is most well known for, if you didn't like the show or didn't like the animation or the story, which all are great. But uh, one thing that I think universally everyone latches onto is the, the music, Mm -hmm. the music for that show is fucking phenomenal. It's an event for a live cowboy bebop music thing here. Oh really? Uh, Yeah. When? Well, they did one and then apparently it sold out. So they're doing another one. I'd like to go to that. That'd be fun. Um, Keep you updated. Cool. 
Cool. Uh, yeah. Well. Anyway. So yeah, Watanabe is really well known for um, designing the music too. So a lot of his shows he bases specifically around jazz and like uh, the way that he puts songs together, mm-hmm. and then kind of follows the music, I guess, which mm-hmm. is definitely apparent in Cowboy Bebop, and I think the show follows a similar structure. Um, I don't remember. I've seen, uh, I, I, I confess, I have seen the movie Cowboy Bebop, but I have not watched the show. I do know that the show, the movie at least, mirrors a lot of the show with um, the same animation style, the same music ch- cl- uh, cues and so on. So I've got a little taste of it, but I, I don't know how much this par- this, this episode, or this series parallels uh, thematically with, um, or even quality-wise no, yeah, like with. Not about, at all. None of the song. Okay, no. okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, I assume by, uh, Cowboy Bebop predates this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, you've seen this before, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't put the recommendation on it. Yeah, I've wa- I watched the show before. Um, I don't know why. I I just like I w- I didn't really know what it was about or anything. I just wanted to watch like a slice of life show, I guess. Uh, and I th- this was a newer show when I watched it. And I thought that the animation was clean, and I normally gravitate more towards like clean, like bold lines, um, and not like very like sharp angles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that I would like this show, and then I I like watched it all within like a a few days. I just really was like captured by the story and the music mm-hmm. and everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I always thought like the soundtrack for the show is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like all it's all great jazz songs, but they're all like re-recorded by like Japanese studio musicians. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're all like a little bit different than the original songs. Interesting. Like just slightly different swings and pauses. What if that falls into the copyright issue we were going with yeah, I'm earlier? Yeah, I'm not sure. I was actually wondering that a second ago before we started recording. Um, but yeah, the show's just really good and the soundtrack's really good. And like, you know, there have been nights where like we would all hang out and I'd put like the soundtrack on on YouTube. I just think it's... Sweet a nice soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that y'all have heard the music before, maybe not necessarily paying attention to it. Um, but well, it was a show that I just wanted to share with you guys. Cause I thought that y'all would really enjoy it. Well, one of the things that they, the, the, the selection that they have is just a little bit off the beaten path. That's what I like about it. Like, um, it's not super deep cut jazz stuff, but it's not also the main recordings of popular stuff either. So it's kind of like, it's got a little nice little sweet spot of selection that is, um, I, I really liked. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's like recognizable, but maybe you don't necessarily know who the artist is, I guess, depending well, on like right, so there's your a, knowledge of jazz. So for example, there's a point in the song where somebody sings Lullaby of Birdland, but Lullaby of Birdland, the, the big version of it that is ubiquitous is the Ella Fitzgerald version. Right. And then this one is done by, honestly, I don't even know who it's done by, but I'm sure it's reputable in that world. I just happen to not know it. Well, so. they, yeah, because actually the score, because I was saying before we started recording that that's one of my favorite versions of that song because it has like this, it's so, it's like much slower, like mm. way fucking slower than uh, the Fitzgerald version of the song. And it's like, it's more uh, like a, like a romance song mm. than it is like, 
I don't know. There's something when it's like more rushed. Yeah. Like it just doesn't have the weight to it. I really, really like the ver- that version, this recording. But it's done by the cast member. It's done by the girl that plays Car- Caro. Uh, the, the chick. The one with the, the long hair? No, no, no. The oh, other one. Rico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Rico, yeah. Yeah. yeah Karu is the boy. That's that's interesting. Um yeah, the uh Ella is a is a vocal acrobat. And yeah. so a lot of times she uh plays uh, sings her songs in tempos that sort of um where she can really explore that where others the, like that version is her version because you can't really mimic it mm-hmm. the way she does it. Um but she does tend to go into the acrobatics quite a bit. So this one, uh, for the you know forty-two seconds of Lullaby of Berlin was played in this show, it didn't do anything like that. It felt a very cool kind of that what was a ter- term that the character uses about having a husky female voice. Yeah. It's like it's it's right in that pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. There, he says that uh, the that jazz is meant to be sung with a woman with a, hus- a husky voice, which I think is like maybe kind of a weird mistranslation, but more of like that smoky. Yeah. Deeper voice. Yeah. Which I like. I yeah, mean that's I accurate. <laughs> I do too. I, I think that's I think it's accurate too. In fact the the more it's like that, the more I tend to like the voice. It's why of all the jazz singers that is big and famous and popular that I don't really care for is Billie Holiday because her her tone is so high pitched, uh almost childlike. Uh for some reason it feels off to me where other people are a lot of a lot of people are really attached to that. Not not so much myself. <laughs> Ethan, <laughs> I don't like vocals on jazz. Really, you just straight yeah, up instrumentals. Yeah, That's like your instrumentals. Yeah. Really, there's no yeah. vocalist has won you over. Uh, not really. Chet Baker. No, I don't really. Li- I just don't really like vocals on jazz. I just rather listen to not vocals. Okay. Yeah. I like both. I don't know. I can appreciate both. Yeah, I'm just not a huge vocalist. Okay. Fan. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, not a huge vocalist fan. Okay. I don't know. That was like my dream growing up. Though. I always wanted to be a jazz singer. That's it was cool. like my dream since I was a little girl. Yeah. So I like, yeah, I just love that. It's so pretty. And then like, like just sitting in my room when I was a kid or like running around the house when I was a little girl and like listening to like jazz records and cassette tapes and stuff. I just always would like picture the, like the bar and like that was like so mysterious mm. and like, I don't know, like just fantastical in my mind that I just like wanted to be, that was like my dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is something still, even, even having some, you know, music knowledge and being able to play uh, an instrument and kind of have some music theory behind me and watching a a jazz show. There is still, um, there's still a thing that they're doing. I still feel like I'm not in the inner circle. Uh, like it is still mysterious. Like I don't know how you're, how are you keeping up with the changes? Because like I'm getting lost in the changes, like the chord changes. You know, like I'm, I can't figure out mind the A section, the B section. Like and these guys are on point all the time, every time. Yeah. And so like they're communicating in a way that I can't. I'm pretty close to being able to latch into, and I understand what's happening. But then every once in a while I get lost, and uh, it's really difficult for me to kind of get back into what is going on. Yeah, I think that's a part of why I fell in love with this show is uh, I, I like Slice of Life shows. Like, we covered that mm-hmm. every time. I, I love Slice of Life shows. They're just really great. Uh, you know, like we've said on the past two episodes, like, it really, they just explore, like, these 
the minutia of life and I really enjoy living in those like micro moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's really fascinating. But what this show does really well is that it also is dealing with music and communication through music and forming friendships ar- around music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also um, it's fascinating too, because like I come from a classical background and so it's, I understand the main character's struggle at the beginning of like, how, how can I like this? This is technically the way that it should be played, but like, that's not the way that it should be played. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. fun for me. Yeah. The, uh, there is this, and it, you see it actually, it's almost tropey with mu- mu- movies or shows about music where you have a character who is the, you know, the concert pianist who then learns to play jazz and there's the, you know, Hey, you just got to let go, man. And just show it, you know, take off all that technicality and just feel the music. You know, there's a lot of that hippie kind of shit as if that's the magic key that they're missing, Mm -hmm. you know, between one and the other. Um, It's not so simple that, that way. And I, I I was actually a little turned off on how simple they made that um, because there's, um, I get, I get it because like I've, I've, I've seen, uh, uh, in particular violinists have a really hard time playing in the pocket, uh, from a jazz standpoint. So it's not quite uh, a quarter note, uh, swing kind of feel that just that, that, that the accent and note is just a little bit late that gives it that real kind of in the pocket kind of feel violin players really struggle to hit that. I don't know about piano players so much. Uh, especially piano players who, um, well, uh, in, in jazz piano, you know, like, like they're playing the chords, they're not, they're not playing the root, the bass is taking that and, uh, they're kind of like hitting the nose kind of, you know, kind of randomly, not randomly, but it's kind of sporadic when they hit the chords. So the necessity of really hitting that, uh, getting in the pocket, so to speak, I don't think it's as, it's nearly intense, um, in a rhythm instrument as it is in the melodic instruments. Um, but that being said, uh, I kind of wish that there was more exploration into those dynamics between classical music versus uh, jazz music and, um, and not just say, well, this is uptight and pristine and perfect. And then this is, um, you know, has like a, um, a, a not really laziness to it, but like uh, an attitude or something because there's more to it than that. Um, so. Yeah, so that's one of the little things that I had with this uh, thing and how they're utilizing the music. I think they're utilizing the music great, but I still think they're they're even underutilizing a lot of different things that they could work out for this show so far. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that you definitely see some of that in the beginning when he first is sitting down. He's listening to the record, running downstairs. Like, he's doing what a classical musician would do, which is trying to write out transcribe it yeah which is like not the way that you would do it and then he like gets a section and then he starts he writes it out and then he goes downstairs and he tries to play the piano and see if he can mimic it and he can't quite get it right so he runs back up and he's listening to it over and over and over again and he just repeats that process yeah there's that sequence yeah that's totally what a classic musician would do um uh, yeah, I get I get that, and I, I did appreciate that scene. Um, I think one of the things I would have uh, liked is maybe just a little more conversation about it. There's uh, a lot of a lot of exposition in the show, 
And maybe having a little bit of dialogue about that may have, may have satiated that for me. Um, that little piece anyway. What did y'all think of Ethan? Jesus. You want to swallow the microphone? What did you think about like the characters and the, and the, their situations and how it's unfolding and all that stuff? I like it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. It's fun. It's cool. I, uh, yeah, I like the art style. The music choice is nice. Um, it looks cool when he's playing drums, the way they draw them. Yeah, they do a really good job of animating the actual playing of the instruments, which I think is something that should be like really highlighted on this show because like we've watched other music movies before and people just like fuck it up. Like they obviously have no idea how to even touch an instrument, let alone play it. Mm -hmm. But this show does a really great job of matching the beat with the actual beat of the instrument. Um, and like accurately portraying the movements and the it's just really really fantastic animation yeah and uh and it's because they're they're really kind of into like the bebop jazz kind of stuff and so they're doing very complicated rhythm kind of things so to see them animating those rhythms Mm -hmm. is pretty cool yeah i like that yeah yeah and the story's nice too i like the giant love triangle it's almost like a lot love hexagon. Yeah. It's getting, has so many, uh, access points. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to see the rest of it. I kind of want to just keep watching it. Just do the whole, do a, just instead yeah. of having it to didn't feel it. watching six episodes didn't really feel as exhausting as I thought it was going to feel. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that because the music or the, uh, God damn it. I think because the show is so like music oriented, it's so much easier for you to just like get lost and like, it's like listening to an album versus like sitting there and watching just like a really heavy, like story driven show, even though there's like a lot of story going on, you know? Yeah. I, I really like the Santoro character. Oh, the big guy. Yeah. 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 When he first came on the scene, I don't know what, but like everything about his character is completely insane. I'm like, this is a perfect character. Yeah. And then I was like, I, don't, I wish the show was about him. I'm excited uh. for you to see. And then I was like, and I was like, there was the show was about him. And I was like, no, that's not the right way to do it. Just like you need, you need another person who's sort of like learning about him in the show. Like we are, yeah. you know, yeah. like a conduit. Like that's why Han Solo is amazing, but that's because we're following Luke Skywalker. Yeah. If we just followed Han, it's not the same. So yeah. it's kind of like the same thing. Luke, he's the Han Solo to his Luke, you know? And, um, he just seems I, I just like this character he's a he's not a bully but he gets into a lot of fights and then he's like all he cares about is playing the drums but not just regular drums he wants to play jazz drums yeah and then uh you know he has this complicated relationship with this girl that and it's really i just like his so far everything that's been done around his character i think has been pretty 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 spot on i liked it a lot yeah i like in the beginning in the first episode uh so the the show is about uh, this guy, Kaoru, who moves essentially across Japan and starts at a new school. And he's got all this complicated family drama. His mom like abandoned the family and the dad is uh, a sailor. So the dad's like off sailing about and he lives with his aunt and uh cousin i guess who's just like a bitch yeah i mean both of them are bitches really right uh and uh he meets um this girl 
I guess Re or Riku or Riku is what everyone calls her. Um, but anyway, they meet her and she's like the class president. So she's like showing him around. Uh, and then he, through happenstance, meets uh, Santaro, the character that you're talking about. Yeah. Who is like just this big hulking dude. And like within five seconds of meeting him, he gets into like this fight, which is an, just a great scene. Like the music and the animation and the fighting, it all works so that, well together. That was my um, Cowboy Bebop pull, that sequence. Yeah, it's very like Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Um, so they all start hanging out and becoming friends. And uh, Kaoru is like learning jazz kind of by way of... Uh, Santoro. Santaro, who um. is a drummer, uh, specifically a jazz drummer. And uh, Kaoru starts. Kaoru starts falling in love with Ritsuku, Ritsuko, yeah. who, uh, who is sort of like a child best friends sort of thing with Santoro, or um, and uh, she she has a little bit of the kind of like the manic pixie dream girl thing going on, at least in the first couple of episodes. And uh, she's a clear romantic interest for the main character. And um, and uh, she is sort of bringing those two friends together. Um, but it does create... Uh, uh, there's a little bit of confusion on the main character's part between trying to f- dissect her and Santoro's relationship. Right. So... Yeah, so he's like trying to get closer to her... Uh, Kaoru is trying to get like closer to her but keeps getting interrupted basically by Sentaro. Mm-hmm. Uh and then when he finds these like moments when they're together, he kind of I guess makes the wrong step. He misjudges the situation and makes the wrong step. Yeah. Uh repeatedly to a point where then they're not talking for a while. Yeah. Uh there's this one sequence in the move in the show where um another character is introduced eureka uh eureka yeah and uh and um uh Sintado takes a liking to her right and uh so he uh the main character is trying to give advice to him about her and makes the suggestion that they should go on a like a four-way date or a double date and uh, in the process of doing so, it ends with this confusing thing where she, Eureka is asking, well, who's, who's inviting me? And Santoro like completely blitzes out and says, uh, he is, you know, and, and points to uh, the main character. And so now she thinks that she's invited by him. And then that creates confusion with, uh, with Ritsuk. Yeah, who oh. then thinks that the you know the Kai invited her, and then they have this double date, and there's all this miscommunication. It's not even miscommunication at this point. It's just everybody's thinking things that aren't accurate. That part's confusing. Like the first time that I watched it, I thought that she was seeing. I thought she was crying over Kauru going out with Eureka, and not. Santaro. This is interesting because that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. And I, and now where the show is, I'm like, did I completely misread that? Yeah. Because it seems like she's totally into the main character. 
And then the main character later actually, thank God, because I wouldn't get a stomach much longer of them not him not just saying it, you know, like, hey, I dig you, you know? Yeah. And so he finally says it at the end of that episode, I think. Um, yeah, it's like which, the third episode. It was very forgiving for them to have done that. It's not drag it out for 11 episodes, which I was afraid they were going to do. Well, time out on that because this show takes place where we're at on episode six is actually already into it's a, basically a year and a half from where the show started. Yeah. So like each episode is about two months a piece of each other or so, you know, yeah. give or take a month. I get that. Uh, I was just, I don't, uh, it felt like, oh no, they're do, they're falling into the, the romantic comedy trap of if they would just talk to each other, this would be over, you know? Right. I and, just, and so finally at the end of that episode, he just said it and I was like, thank God that you ended that mechanism. Right. I just want to point out that because there's, that is like a, a really common thing of like anime where it's difficult to tell like the period of time in which things are happening, like how much time is passing and like, why do these people seem so close after they met seemingly a day ago? Um, whereas this show does like a pretty good job. There's another show that we'll be watching in the future uh, when we do a sports anime consecution thing. <laughs> uh, but there's another show that does a really good job of like specifying the time and you as the viewer understand that like these relationships have progressed off camera, so to speak. He confesses that he likes Rico, whatever her name is, Richan or whatever she pronounce how they pronounce it. Um, and I was expecting her to be like, "Well, thank God," because I thought, "What about this whole thing?" Like she was going to explain, you know. But then she she shuts him down, and I'm like, "I don't understand." I thought I just watched two and a half episodes of her digging on him. Was I did I totally miss it? And then I guess she does. She does like Sintaro. I mean, that's the impression. I think that's the point of the show, isn't it? That you don't know. You don't know. Maybe you don't know because he probably figure it out in the last last of episodes, episodes when everything when the the final holding of the hands occurs. You know. Okay. Be that as it may, uh, it's it is it's confusing. <laughs> uh, be that as it may, I was confused, and I am still kind of confused. And I don't know if it's because I missed something or they're purposely misdirecting me. I kind of think like just watching these six episodes and only taking this into account, I kind of think that she does actually like him, uh, but she just has a difficult time at first accepting that. And then later, like right before Christmas, when he kisses her, that's like... A, a grave mistake yeah. and she like still likes him based off of the conversation that they're having yeah. on the telephone game yeah like she still likes him but but she straight up says I, I can't forgive you it's like damn girl well yeah I mean she probably couldn't forgive him yeah. you know what I mean but like also uh, she's doesn't know how to tell him that he that she's interested in him because she it doesn't really seem like she completely like Centaro in he, that way. Yeah, that's that's why I figure that this is an op- easy an open and shut case, you know, here. It could also be one of those situations too where it's like uh like you grow up with someone and like you always get teased or like your parents always joke around about how like oh like you two are just going to get married right, or whatever. Right. 
And so maybe that's like the life that she and Centaro has always have. thought. Yeah, yeah. And then like him coming into the picture kind of mixes things up. There's a, I mean, there's, it could it certainly unfold many different ways, you know, be, be within the next six episodes. Um, I just, I feel like I missed something, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that was me missing something or if that's an intentional, you know, misdirect that's going on. I guess we'll find out soon yeah. enough. Um, the, uh, in addition, uh, w- in the, this episode, this last one that we went to, it introduced a whole new set of characters and a whole new different dynamic with, um, the, uh, the main character of Centauros now being, uh, pulled away to play in another, another band. Well, wait, there's one whole other plot point that we missed. So, uh, while Centauro is trying to get in with this Eureka girl, uh, there's another character who's kind of been floating in and out of this scene as the show has been progressing, uh, June, mm. who is a college kid. All of these kids are in high school. The right. show, by the way, I don't know that we've said this, takes place in 66. Yeah. Oh, that I did not know. Which you can tell by their uniforms. Oh, okay. If for the uh, trained eye, but uh, <laughs> also you there's can tell some by other the stitching. Well, there's other things too that are pretty indicative that it takes place during that time. They don't have okay. phones. Right, they don't have phones. It's also when they go to True. Tokyo. That is not what Tokyo looks okay. like, even within the past like twenty years. Okay. Um. But anyway, so the show takes place in the sixties. You can tell by their uniforms. Pretty fucking obvious, if you ask me. Whatever. But <laughs> it's clearly it's like clearly a nineteen sixty six, late sixties pattern pattern stitching on the bottoms of those skirts. The style of the skirt <laughs> is that time period. Anyway, so, uh, so, uh. June is kind of coming in and out and in and out. And we briefly touched on this Christmas period. June has time off of college. So he's hanging around at his family's shop, which happens to be next to the record store where they play jazz, which is Rechan's home. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a trumpet Whatever. man. Right. And he plays the trumpet. So whenever he comes back into town, everyone gets really happy and they all try and jam together. Right. Well, ju- on Christmas Day... Uh, June ends up getting asked if he can play at the bar that he works at, play with his little jazz quartet, the basement jazz group. Right. So they all get psyched up and they're going to go play this jazz show. And Centaro, who's been trying to get after uh, Eureka, invites her to come and she happens to bump into June, which almost immediately you can tell that she's going to fall in love right. with him. Right. And then when it turns out that he's the trumpeter, who's basically the front man for the jazz group. Oh, that's it's tingling done. now. It's yeah, tingling it's now. so done <laughs> and, for her. And she didn't have, at that point, a strong rapport with Centauro. Um, and uh, so it only makes sense that that she was open to options. And right. Well, if this the, front man is a little bit older, who's who can sing like uh, a Japanese Chet Baker, and uh, and uh, can play the trumpet and lead the charge. He does sing well. Yeah. 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 Also, original voice actor singing for that one too. Cool. Uh, one thing that's of note. Uh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> uh, so here's the. If you want to look at it, like we said, and it's not necessarily a, a love triangle, but a love, you know, octagon, hexagon, or however many points there are, because the main character likes a girl who kind of likes a guy who likes a girl who likes another guy. 
and uh, so it kind of just is all over the place and no two seem to be connecting uh, with one with the other it's maybe a, that will change in the future change. who knows maybe that'll change it is cute though it's it's pretty fun watching all of these pieces move together because you can see the different uh ways that each of the characters are you get a lot from these interactions that they have with whoever their particular love interest is um and with each other uh like when uh kaoru is trying to talk to Sentaro. Uh, he's like really playing up that he's like some ladies man which is like obviously not the case as Uh you see by his interactions with uh, Rechan and Rechan is like as timid as always she's probably the character that you really is like the most one dimensional character out of all of the people in the show Yeah. Uh, my favorite relationship though is and watching the two of them talk, even though it's so infrequent, is Eureka and June. Because the two of them like have this adult air about them. Yeah. In, already independent of everyone else. Yeah. But when they start interacting with each other, it's very like she's like very like sharp and like sophisticated and like fuck you to him hmm. and he's just like whoa like who the fuck are you kind of but like respectful you know hmm. uh it's fun watching the way that they talk with each other yeah because even after when they leave the club they're still having like this sarcastic little conversation with each other uh, as everyone else is moving along yeah which is pretty fun should we talk about the club scene Yes, yeah, yeah. so they they play the show. I'll let you talk about that. But they, <laughs> so in case if there's any crazy sound bites, it comes out of my face. Yeah, <laughs> so they are gonna play at the bar at this. It's an American sailor bar. Can you stop? <laughs> it's like a cat with a <laughs> string. <laughs> my God, this isn't any better. It's got this uh, setup here in the, in the flea furnace with a, a light that changes colors and. <laughs> And uh, Ethan's just been going nuts with the remote, <laughs> changing colors on us, making us feel like we're in a disco Here ball. We go. All right. <laughs> At least this is more subtle. <laughs> Do red. We're settling on teal blue. Should, I color. mean, no, it's fading. Anyway, red accent. So uh, June sets up the show or whatever, gets asked to play the show at the bar that he works at but it turns out that the bar that he works at is actually like a jazz club bar like an underground jazz club bar full of American American sailors sailors and soldiers yeah so the the jazz band gets up there they've been practicing essentially I don't know like a month two months two months whatever it is they get on stage uh, you got the main character playing the the keys you got uh, June coming in on trumpet the um, Rechan's dad, dad is playing yeah. upright bass and Santoro's on the uh, drums and he's already kind of wigging out because the girl that he likes has been invited to the show I don't know if he knew that that was going to happen if he expected that, but I forget. Uh, but anyway, um, he's already kind of wigging out about that, and they're trying to get into the gen- they're trying to get in the groove on the first song. And there's a little interesting moment that happens there, and I'll go back to it. But anyway, they're trying to get through the first song, get through the first song, get through the first song, and then this dude from the bar just hollers, "Shut it down! Shut it down! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!" Uh, Donna's <laughs> cringing, cringing if I'm going to actually say the word, and he says. 
knock it off with this damn uh and he he drops the c word but it's not the c word music like the black music like a raccoon okay i think everybody knows where i'm going with this and music and it's like whoa that was out of left field and then like he goes on this racial tear about play play white jazz instead of black jazz which is kind of a weird anyway that was awful and and then Sintero's just pissed off and he walks out but that whole thing was very interesting like it's like you know it's like the Japanese culture understands that this is a thing that there's like this weird weird racial thing in America but they treat it not in a way that a modern audience or modern like how Americans would treat that scene and as if there's a little bit of like I don't know how to say this, but uh, how to put it like we were so taken back by having that language in there that to um, it, it seems like the whoever did the show didn't understand or maybe it wasn't really sensitive to how uh, American audience may react to that or maybe it was just different. Oh, he's trying to say that it was kind of more natural back then so you wouldn't have the major... Because the characters don't blow up in his face like, yo, what are you talking about? But then again, it's supposed to be set in 1966 and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's a weird thing to have in the show because you don't need it in the show. You could you could write around that in many different ways, but he the, they decided to put that moment in the in that particular scene. I don't. I mean, I, I do think that that was a pretty normal thing that would be said then. Yeah. And specifically about the music that was being played. Yeah. And specifically by sailors and soldiers. So you think that, I, I don't know, there's something about it that seems so harsh that in in the sense of, okay, well, this this probably did happen. There's a, a lot of different things you could do to end that, to kill the scene and still have the the main girl see the trumpet man play by himself and still get that love connection and, and, and move on without having this, um, this racially charged device to do so. So that's what's interesting to me is from a, a writing standpoint, it's not necessary. You could figure another solution there, but that's what they decide to go with. Oh, I, th- I think it totally fits that scene. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, you could do something else, but I think that that's like, I don't think it's appropriate, but I obviously, because that's, I mean, it's shocking now in particular because of like, just modern context. Yeah. But I mean, it's, uh, that's not, not a thing that would be said. Like, it's not, I guess it would be worse if they were saying something that wouldn't be a thing that feasibly would be said at that time. I see. I guess. I, I just think from a, like, you, it'd be, if you, oh boy, this is. Okay. Let me interrupt you. What, what I see, like you could write it that the guy yells and stops a band and says, where's the electric guitar? I want to hear my Beatles or I want to hear, you know, whatever is popular in the rock scene that like he could still interrupt and do it another way, but they chose to do it this way. And I'm curious if, uh, it's 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 just interesting. There's no, I don't know. You can make a judgment call on it one way or another, but it's an interesting thing to have uh, in the show. So much so that it's clearly sparking. We all had a reaction to it, uh, and not everything else that's in the show that is has is so reactionary. I don't. I don't. No, this is one of those weird racial things that you've latched onto that I don't agree with you about. I, it is it's shocking, and I think that's why everyone reacted as though it's shocking because it's like not a cool thing to say, and also not something that you hear. Mm-hmm. But I, it 
it is a thing that regularly would be said in jazz clubs. Like that's not a thing that wasn't said in jazz clubs during that time period. Mm-hmm. And like if you're at a jazz club and you know that you're going into a jazz club, why would you ask them to play rock music? I mean, I know that you're just using that as an example, but I'm saying, like, given, like, read the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. if you're in a jazz club, it's more feasible that you would say a real thing that real people said at that time in jazz clubs, you know? Okay, I'm (laughs) I'm not totally disagreeing. I'm just saying uh, it's still... it's. I would be curious to find out where the writer really came with that because I, I, my sense is that they're, uh, they didn't have, uh, whoever wrote it didn't, um, didn't have the sensitivity that we would have of it. Like, that, that's all I'm getting. Like, they thought that it might, it might get a seven out of people, but it seems to be like a nine out of reaction. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and be that as it may, it seemed to be something that was more, I didn't... I, it, being in that in that world to some extent, not majorly, but to some extent, I've never there was. I know there was a time in like the '40s and the '50s when the big band swing era started coming out, and then that sort of got identified with the white music, the white version of jazz. Uh, but even uh, the and so I guess the trade off. But I don't think the trade off was that in was. I mean, in the '50s and '60s, I guess so. When you started to see more like you people know, were racist as hell, then dude. I know that's what I'm saying. Also, like the other side of this is like you're talking about Americans that are stationed in Japan. Like, when's the last time that they were home for the holidays? And if you have like fucking, you know, whatever, Steven Johnson from Podunk, Texas. And he's going to a jazz bar because maybe his friends dragged him along or whatever. And he's getting drunk at the bar. I bet the last thing that he wants to hear is like whatever and not Chet Chet or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just I could very easily see that scene playing out in real life. Not to mention the fact that I know that that scene is played out in real life. I also feel that there's like I don't think that the um director is i mean i guess i guess if you really want to know how that situation played out because this show is based off of a manga so you could read the manga and see how exactly that scene plays out there but i don't think that the i think it's unfair to say that the director is unaware of the impact of that statement because he clearly knows jazz really fucking well if he has like six or three even uh, very famous and well-known shows that are all based around jazz. Right. Like, I don't think that's fair to say that he doesn't know the subject matter very well or necessarily how people would react to that. And I also don't necessarily think that the show was made for an American audience. Right. And also the show was made in 2012, where I would say we've had a lot of the change political in the last climate six maybe years. was a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, not that that's right. No, that's what that's what I think is interesting is that there are so many different dynamics that go into shaping. Uh, the reaction to the scene. But to jump off topic, uh, jump off that topic at least for a minute uh, or forever, there was a, <laughs> there was a, there's a moment in that sequence where the, 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 the drummer, like I said, he's sort of like, he's not in the groove 
and the piano player starts hammering on the piano to kind of, to kind of get him to wake him up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, that's reminiscent of a very uh, famous jazz anecdote um, when uh, Benny Goodman's orchestra uh, was invited to play at uh, Carnegie Hall. And um, uh, this is the first time a non-classical uh, group of musicians were playing at Carnegie Hall. And you can listen to the recording of it. And when they first start off, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of like on edge. It's not, you know, every time they play, it's in small jazz venues and people are dan- people are dancing and up in their things and cheering. This is Carnegie Hall where it's a big, you know, uh, big concert hall with everybody sitting down and tuxes, you know, it's a completely different atmosphere. So they're just not, it's not happening. And I'm pretty sure it's Gene Krupa who's playing on drums at the time. And when he gets to his break, he just fucking goes crazy. It's loud. And then at the kind of, it's like a, a spell that kind of breaks the, uh, the, 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 the band. And all of a sudden from then on out, the band sort of gets in the groove and then that's the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if there was an intentional sort of uh, call to that moment uh, that played out in that scene. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> For sure, dude. Yeah. Most definitely. That's a good scene. I don't know. The whole thing's good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The whole th- I don't know. <laughs> Ethan doesn't know. I don't know. The whole thing. I like it. It's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't know how much to say about it without seeing the rest of it. Can't sit here and like marinate on six episodes and be like, ah. I just keep thinking about what's going to happen. Mm. Well, I mean, then let's wrap up what happens in this sequence. So then the after that sequence, he gets uh, uh, Karu's dad comes back home shortly or is back home currently. I don't, I don't know when. I yeah. don't know. But he's home or comes back home abruptly, I guess. Uh, and he has a note from their previous housekeeper that has the address of his mother, who he thought he was never going to see again. Uh, and um, so he goes to, he takes a train to Tokyo and through... Yeah, the main character's been estranged from his, from his mom for so long, he doesn't remember her at all. Right, and so through weird connections, and Santaro ends up getting on the train as well, and the mm-hmm. two of them go together, and this all kind of coincides after the conversation, the telephone game conversation between Rechan and uh, Karu, so mm-hmm. he's uh, pretty heartbroken, Right. Uh, so it's nice for him to get out, uh, and they get to go see his mom, and they hang out with her for a little while, and they have the husky jazz voice conversation, <laughs> which is funny and weird, um, and that's like a nice tender moment, Uh but the big thing that happens in this is that they go to stay, they're going to Tokyo, so they go to stay with uh, June, and the, he's just MIA. Yeah, the trumpet man's not there. Right. So the they happen to run into the neighbors in the dorm, uh, or the people that live in the next dorm over or right. whatever, and they say, oh, yeah, like, we don't know where he's been. He's been gone for weeks, and... Uh, this scene is interesting. There's something, there's a piece of translation that's missing from this scene. Hmm. Uh, so uh, they're standing in the hallway. The 
next door neighbors say, oh, yeah, he's been gone for months. We don't know what's happened to him. Karu happens to look down and see all the males piling up. And there's a letter on top that is there's no translation for it. It's from Eureka. Uh, and so he shoves the mail back into the door before uh, Centaro can, can turn s- around and see that there's a letter. Yes. Rem- uh, remember Centaro likes Eureka, Eureka likes June and he doesn't want he wants to hide the fact uh that Eureka likes June in front of Centaro. Right. So yeah. he shoves this letter into the door. Uh, and meanwhile, um, the neighbor is still talking to Centaro about what's going on. And he said, oh, yeah, maybe he joined this other faction, this like re- rebel group, basically, implying that maybe he's like linked up with the communists or yeah. the rebellion of the communists or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is all like really dark and not really like a, a big thing that would be talked about um, specifically on a university at that time because it's a. Uh, they did a lot of protests and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was very reminiscent of like early SDS mm-hmm. in America. Um, yeah. So then they have the dinner and everything with the mom leave there and get back to wherever the fuck in Tokyo or in Japan. <laughs> yeah. But the perception from uh, ya- the main character is that indeed June, um, uh, Yurika is seeing June on the sly. Or yeah. at least there, she's interested in him and clearly not interested in Centaro, which right. I think he already kind of had presumptions about that to begin with. Right. Yeah. Um, then they, so then uh, Centaro and Eureka are talking about hanging out. He Meanwhile, this whole, for the past six months or whatever of the show, he's been modeling for Eureka uh, as she's an artist, so he's been modeling for her and she's been painting him in a piece of art that she's been working on and she wants to take him out for uh, like a gift to like thank him for being her model. Right. Um, and at this point, we're introduced to the other characters, which I don't remember what their names are. It's it's three. One of them is a kid that sort of like sits next to the main character in class. The other one is like a new kid from the art program. Matsuka. Yeah, Matsuka, who art program with a Yurika. The kid with the fang teeth? Yeah, he's got a tooth. That's an interesting little animation choice. uh, (laughs) He's got a little fang tooth. Yeah, it's kind of like Ed, but he's um, extremely effeminate. Yeah. which is also like not it does not, not play not 66 well. appropriate <laughs> it, it does not play well in uh like this time period but it is actually like kind of funny, <laughs> like their reactions to this guy right. is like whoa like who the fuck is this character <laughs> right right uh, like they're that, a bunch of characters themselves but that particular kid uh and and his motivation is he wants to be a famous uh, pop star and he needs a band and he's got uh, two guitarists and he's going to be the vocal, the lead on vocal. So he needs a drummer. So he's um, seducing is the wrong word, but he's trying to convince Centaro to join him as the drummer of their little quartet, uh, their rock band. Um, and in the final episode that we watched, episode six, Centaro agrees and this uh, is very challenging to the main character because now he feels uh, his all of his abandonment issues 
uh, all come flooding to the surface with his best friend, so to speak, Aww. and sort of like confidant or at least like big brother type character mm-hmm. is now leaving him. To, and he, as he views it, leaves him to go play in another group. But well, I have a feeling that the next episode, he's going to play with them. Oh, well, oh. before it ends there, though, you also get a glimpse of the Rechan's dad gets called to the jazz bar that That's June right. works at. We find out that there's more going on with June, yeah. who's just been missing and fell off the face of the earth. But right. Rechan's dad gets called to the jazz bar. Because June is like a drunken mess at the end of the bar. It just looks like shit. And then the episode cuts and you don't know what's going to happen after that. Which is interesting because so far June has been the most collected and most put together character so far. So to now introduce him as somebody who's fallen apart essentially is like, okay, well, it's interesting. We're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm we'll curious to out, see what's right? going to happen. Uh, I wanted to talk real quick about two different things. One is that you mentioned the animation earlier. Um, one of the things I noticed about the animation is that in this is that, which I really like, is that, uh, and it gives it a, the whole thing gives a, gives a higher quality uh, to it, but like there's sort of like a two-tone thing with faces. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the regular, they don't just do one color for a face. They have the shadow. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there's a lot of animes where they, they, that's just not, they just don't have the time to do all that. Mm-hmm. And so not only does each character have the face and the shadow, which adds a lot of depth to it, but it has got a nice, got a nice little Gaussian blur to the shadow. So it, mm-hmm. it's got a little, it, it's a really cool effect that they do throughout the show. Um, I'm curious at this point, how much is hand drawn and how much is computer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like when the record spins, it's computer, for example. Yeah, the water, I think, also is computer. There's a scene where they're on a bus and the trees going, or the, the stone walls and the trees going in the background was computer. Mm. Um, and I'm curious where... I know, like, for example, uh, The Simpsons is an animated entirely on computer, where it's yeah. or the ink, it's all inked on computer. Uh, I'm curious in anime where where it is in that process in 2012 or before and after like if there's i'm just kind of curious because i feel like there's sort of a um there's some scenes i feel like well that's clearly hand drawn the whole thing and then there's other things i'm like i'm not too sure about that uh so something about that's kind of curious to me there's uh i like it's kind of funny at the beginning of this show and we're absolutely going to talk about this in the future when we get into sports anime uh which is like has uh, uh, extremely gay overtones. Yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of that going on in the beginning of this show. I didn't really realize it, I guess, the first time that I watched it, but like the main character, Kar- Karu, mm-hmm. he's like, he, he has very feminine features. And yes. Like his eyes are like very twinkly. Yes. And he has like very like slender limbs and yes. everything. Yes. And even like, there's a couple of scenes where he's with Centaro and it seems like, oh, this is like a be like a boy's love yeah. kind of show. The very first interaction yeah, is that. Yeah, it's like very... They accidentally hold yeah. hands with the interlocking fingers. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, I was like, oh, this is where we're going with this? Yeah, okay, I, let's see I'll, what happens. I'll be honest, I totally forgot about that. And when that <laughs> happened, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, what am I making these guys watch right now? So like, maybe the show isn't as good as I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, 
but yeah, it's really funny that because it it that's a very common thing in sports anime. That's uh, like a very joked about, really funny. I mean, not funny, but like it's just a trope of uh, sports anime, mm-hmm. and it's really funny to see it in this because this is very much not like a sports anime. Like, there's not really any competitive aspects, unless you're talking about like being competitive and. And trying to confess to people or whatever, you know. Right. Um, yeah, it's really funny. Uh, he also it does not help that uh, <laughs> the main character looks like fucking Yuri from Yuri on Ice. It's so funny. <laughs> we'll absolutely yeah. be revisiting that as well <laughs> when we uh, get to the sports. So, uh. I I really so far I really like the characters I like their um, their interactions with one another where it's not quite simplistic and you don't there's little little entanglement of of interests I enjoy that I like their backgrounds I like their histories um, that they have um, and uh, um, yeah. uh, particularly Sentaro I think he's an exceptional character that they've they've written for him. What I don't like, and this is like a big black eye to the show so far, and I don't know if it's going to recover from it. It might, because it seems to get better as the show goes on. But man, this 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 show is is aggressive in um, in monologuing, inner inner thoughts, mm. uh. and in exposition dumps. So all of the you know every time we learn something about a character, it's not because we see the character do something in a way that tells us an insight into the character. It's because the character just says it in a monologue, inner monologue, and we learn it. And um, you you mentioned that it's a manga, you know, that's been translated to an anime. And I wonder if the manga had more time to kind of present a lot of this background information in a much more uh, sophisticated way because the way they dump it in the show is very ham ham handed and, and and it's almost it's it's just it's so much of it i feel like i'm just reading bullet points about the characters and not getting a whole lot of characterization granted it's happening less we're seeing less of that yeah um as the show goes on uh, as it feels like it's you know, backfilled us enough with their backgrounds. So it doesn't feel the need to do that and actually create some real moments for us to experience with the character as opposed to having, and this is still happens that the character has a moment, tells us exactly what he's thinking and then goes on with, with the scene. Whereas you can, ex- you can totally remove that tell uh, that explanation of what the character's thinking and just go with how, how the scene is directed and moved on. And we would understand well, how the character feels. Uh, there's not a lot of faith in the show so far in being able to trust just the what's on the screen uh, and the performances to get away with um, not having those inner monologues telling us what's going on. And one of the back, one of the, one of the interesting consequences of that is that the film is avoiding giving us the inner monologue of uh, Rico or Rico Chan or Richan or whatever her name is. She's the one character we don't get that inner monologuing on. And so we're talking about what's her motivation, who does she like, who does she doesn't like. Well, in sidestepping giving her a back, giving a voice, it sort of purposely puts a, 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 the onus on, you know, on us now as an audience member to try to figure out where she's going. But all the other characters get that so far. Uh, at least Centauro and certainly the main character. And um, I almost wish they kept it all with one character, you know, so we all, we experience yeah. completely from his point of view. Um, but to, uh, but either way, I, I don't even like that. I'd like to, I wish the show was a, 
was a little more sophisticated, maybe longer. I've, I mean, that's kind of a hard thing to ask. You know, it's twelve episodes, maybe get twenty four, and 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 not have to be so crammed with a, a early exposition. Uh, it is what it is. I kind of feel like maybe this is an, an anime thing where you can have characters kind of do that and get away with it in the show. Uh, but from my like Western tastes, I feel like it's very, uh, it's not the right way of presenting that information. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that the reason why they do that is because it's only 12 episodes. Cause I don't think that they were ever going to get signed on for a longer contract. If they would have, then it would have been, a. Uh, a 23 or 24 episode show yeah. and with one season instead of a one season 12 episode show um but also the manga is only nine episodes plus like one extra mm-hmm. so or nine issues excuse me so i don't think that there's i, I imagine it's pretty similar uh. um but i don't really mind the monologue also, I don't think that you get it from Centaro. There's moments, especially when he starts liking uh, when it, when he meet, when uh, Yurika gets introduced. That's when you start getting it from him. I thought those were conversations that he was having with Kaoru. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was there as well. But he's also get he also gets his own inner monologue. Right, conversations. but the story's following him. In the, in the, it's it's less extreme with the other characters, but with Santaro, you do get, uh, well, he, where he will go into his inner monologue and talk about what he's feeling at the moment, as opposed to us just watching him go through something. Yeah, I mean, I understand what an inner monologue is. What I'm saying is that I it seemed I always thought it was because when he's having the, what I know what you're talking about, okay. I understand the concept, but. Yeah. It seems like when that is happening, it's when he's directly next to Kaharu and not next to Yurika. So it's a conversation. It's something that he's like saying to him. He's, but he's not saying it. That's what I'm saying. Right. He's Again, saying I understand us. what an inner monologue is. <laughs> well, then I, I don't understand. Whether he's with somebody or not, it's, it's irrelevant whether he's with the main character or not. Right. What I'm... Uh, never mind. <laughs> I don't understand what either of y'all are saying. Yeah, I, I, I keep feeling like we're not kind of knocking on here. I think Excuse we're not, me? I said I don't think we're <laughs> locking on here. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't think that you're understanding what I'm saying. I, I don't understand what either of y'all are saying. He's saying that, uh, that there is an inner monologue that is going on with the two male characters, the two male leads in the show, that they both have their own inner monologues that are going on. Uh, just Centaro happens less frequently because he's not the main character that's being followed. What I'm saying is that the times where the inner monologue is happening with Centaro is when he's always only by uh, Kaoru. So it, I, I assume that he's like whispering to him or like yeah. saying it to him like under his breath, which is why you're not seeing his mouth move because it doesn't make sense why you would have an inner monologue for a character that isn't the character that you're following. 
Okay, well, so maybe I misread. Right maybe now. I right. Like if like if you and I were walking like five steps behind Ethan, right? And I was like, oh, I like really like Ethan. Like, what should I do? I'm not gonna be like, oh, I really like Ethan. What should I do? Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get the impression that that's what was going on, but maybe I just missed how it was being presented to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. That's just the way that makes sense okay. from a storytelling standpoint in my head. Yeah. Maybe y'all don't watch enough anime. I'll probably have the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us know next time. Yeah. I'll pay attention and I'll let you know. All right. Cool. So 7 through 12 is the next. Is the next. What do you think, Ethan? Do you like it so far? Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll watch it. I will. I'll watch the second part. Wow. For sounding sure. acclaim. Yeah. Rave reviews. That's what it gets from me. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else from y'all? No, I'm just, uh, I'm curious to see how all these relationships uh, end up. Curious and, to see if he's whispering or not. Yeah, well, I'll pay attention to uh, whether that, I'm, I miscued that from the show. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I hope there's a scene where, um, uh, Kaoru introduces Santoro to to uh, classical music. They have a little twist Aww. on that. And I was like, you know, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to see that a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll continue later to see what happens. Is that it? <laughs> Don't know. I think it's your job to wrap it up. Are we not going to rate these? I think we can rate at the end. Yeah, let's yeah. wait to rate. Yeah. Okay, well, we're all done now.